Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash saint14project. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Are we allowed to mention Mass Effect? Of Doom. Or are we not going oh, there? God. Sorry, sorry. Oh, Mass, Mass Effect. Effect Andromeda. There's so much good in Mass Effect. <laughs> I broke five. I'm sorry. We're oh, dropping Andromeda. Okay. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Hello and welcome to Say 14 Project Podcast, a production of Project Guardians. I'm Sentinel Dad, also known as Alex, as uh, one of your hosts, and with me as always is Average Joe, Dr. Goku, and Bell Bunny. What's up? What's shaking? Hey, everyone. What's up, bud? Good afternoon. Hi. Good afternoon. Uh, uh, an odd yeah. afternoon stream. Um, unlike last episode, we have someone joining us, as we normally do. And please, he is uh, definitely the, one of the leading lore masters for the Destiny community, and we are we are proud to serve the community in providing the reunion of Bill Bunny and Mister. My name is Bife. What's up, Bife? How are you, my friend? <laughs> so good to be here. Thank you for having Cheers. me on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining. Our, our pleasure. And just so we can say it, yes, the rivalry still lives, oh, slash the wonderful friendship. Call it what you will. Whatever you get out of Bell and Bifid, still we'll happens. We'll see at the end of this podcast where it's at. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's Bell and Bife and Banter is really the kind oh, of like dude, golden trio. Show. Right? Oh, dude, we need our show. Oh, my God. <laughs> like a, a monthly podcast. Where you just talk, you just talk smack to each other. Hmm. It'll probably be more like a yearly podcast because that's how often we actually get together. <laughs> there at this you point, go. So. It'll be like we'll pull each other aside at Guardian Con and be like, after all the parties, and everyone will be drunk, We're and we'll be like, drunk. podcast, let's do it yeah. now. And then it's just like thirty minutes of whatever and we just throw that up on the internet, and we're like, yeah, this is a thing. I this legit want to make this happen now. Just. <laughs> Oh, that's going to be fun. Well, well uh, Bife, we are so glad you are here. But uh, for, for those um, that might not um, uh, dip their toe in the Destiny community or um, are aware of you, why don't you tell everyone a little bit like uh, about your YouTube channel and like what got you into the lore as far as Destiny is concerned and like into content creation? Yeah, sure. So a lot of this started with YouTube and... Way back in the day when I was doing Halo, my channel sort of died out, and then in 2013, as I was revising for A-Levels at the time, the first couple of trailers for Destiny dropped, and I fell in love instantly with the initial premise and the idea of the story and everything. And there was this amazing moment back in 2014 where Destiny launched and my channel really took off, but the lore side of things I didn't really start to do until it was around about, say, Taken King expansion? I feel like that's the point at which things really started to take off, and I started to focus a little bit more on the lore. More recently, at the launch of Destiny 2, I just said, okay, screw it. Lore is where I want my identity to be. I don't want to be a mixed channel. I want to be a complete lore guy. And yeah, I ran with Destiny 2 as a full lore channel, and it was a scary moment, but we 
ended up getting tons and tons of new views and subscribers and everything. And that really pushed everything that I was doing into kind of the forefront. And yeah, it was a really exciting time. That's um, awesome. And, and like you were just talking about taking King. I mean, when you, as far as the lore is concerned, when you, when you agree that like when taking King came out, it's like a lore nuclear, it just radiated everywhere. Right. I mean, Taken King to this day is probably one of the most influential expansions that's ever mm-hmm. been put out there in Destiny in terms of the raw story impact. The Taken were permanently added to the system. For the first time, we started to really understand the backstory of the Hive because of the amazing Books of Sorrow, which, again, if anyone is watching, go ahead and check out more of Seth's work because Seth Dickinson is an amazing writer. Mm-hmm. And then furthermore than that, you know, we had all of the other peripheral stuff that happened in The Taken King. So, I mean, there was all sorts of little tidbits of lore that happened with the remnants of what was going on with the reef and the kind of follow-up of the House of Wolves expansion. There was just so much that we had to talk about after that. And then also new subclasses and everything. We started to really expand what the light could do on the flip side of things. So, yeah, it was a really fantastic time. And, you know. You were completely correct with that assessment of it was like an explosion. Yeah, and the because uh, I know for I, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was saying for, for Destiny, uh, I played Destiny from day one, even prior. I was playing since the alpha, and this we can all say the original vanilla Destiny story was eh at best. Yeah, but reading through <laughs> some Reddit posts in terms of some of the grimoire cards of certain exotic weapons, so Red Death. I was kind of reading that it was like the November-ish, right before uh, Dark Below came out, and that's what really got me hooked into the story, saying, "Oh, mm-hmm. there's more to this game than what is presented." And mm-hmm. then I, I found Bife's channel and then Mylan's and then it just opened up a new world to what is Destiny. That's and it just right. increased my my own personal enjoyment of the game. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm a I'm I'm a Taken Tot. So I came in like right after the launch of Taken King. <laughs> and um you know, I've actually got a clan and whatnot, but I um like when I, I started playing the game, just enjoying the actual gameplay, and then I just kind of got in. I was interested in the story, so I you know did a quick Google, and I ended up I followed um the the, the top three people that popped up, which was Bife, Mylan, and the Beard Grizzly, and then um, oh damn, and then, I was so going to say that, back in the days, that, dude, it's was it so that long? trifecta that like kind of got me interested in the lore, and you know I got to meet some of the other um, lore guys and gals in the. Uh, Destiny community and like you know regardless of how you know the vanilla Destiny 1 or like the launch of Destiny 2 came out you know um, the it, it's got a tremendous story behind it and there's like so much that you you can't get just from playing the game um, you know this is what one of the things that kept me playing it for Dude, sure I, I'll tell you what mm. I, I came in and during the beta and I played all the way through I wasn't never too focused on the story I didn't see how deep Destiny really was with all the lore stuff I just thought it was like flavor text on everything and I started listening to podcasts and the first time I was introduced to Bife he was you were a guest on I think it was either Destiny Reset Podcast or Crucible Radio talking about lore and it was like the first time you discovered Ishtar Collective 
and you hand wrote all the lore entries yourself prior to that. And you're like, wait a minute, this is how start- this is incredible. You start collectives from yeah. then. Um, I started following Bife. I watched <laughs> your whole channel. I got really in depth. And the one piece of, uh, surrounding the lore on was actually not to be ironic or anything, but it was Saint 14 and his story. It oh. was so clear. Cool. And then from there, it would just went deeper and taking King was just the most replayable expansion that I've ever experienced. And there was just so much to it. The content mm-hmm. that you brought out on it was, it, it just kept me so not invested, but interested. Right. I mean, it's part of the reason why I, the exact sentiment that you guys have just put forward is part of the reason why I always talk about why it's really important to have good foundational lore as well as good storytelling. Because if you think about it, you know, if you stripped away all the lore and all the context from Destiny, it's basically just a game about shooting alien dudes in the face. That's not interesting. But it is interesting when you say, well, these guys have an agenda and there's logic behind what they're doing and it's a twisted, screwed up kind of logic, but here it is and judge that yeah. for yourself, right? It's more interesting when you actually have that. And it's such a common comment that I get, which is, man, I don't know if I would still be interested in Destiny if it wasn't for the context that was given by law content. And, you know, I feel like that's a comment that every single kind of law channel out there gets, whether it's myself or Mylan Games or Sir Wallin back mm. in the day, you know, like... Every single one of us in our own way, I think, has really aided the community in kind of creating cohesiveness because we've managed to create this sort of force that galvanizes some of the player base and says, hey, you know, it's not just like a random game of Call of Duty where you're playing for, you know, the Black Ops or Spetnaz or whatever. And it's just a thing of like, oh, this is another nebulous game out of nowhere. But instead it's saying, no, your persistent character in this world, they mean something. They have context. They have an influential part of the story. And there is a world around that reflects them. So yeah, I think that's just like, it's why I think lore matters. And it's why I'm always drawn back to it. You know, when I sit there and when I read the perfect paradox lore tab for the first time, right? Like, it's moments like that that I kind of play Destiny 4 now, more than anything else. Because I get these moments where I get to sort of, like, clasp my head in my hands and go, Dude, (laughs) that's so cool! You know, like, you get those moments where it blows your mind, and you get to think about something that is incredible, such as the idea that the gun we pick up is a paradox, quite literally, hence why its name is Perfect Paradox, and then all this other stuff about, like, oh my god, well, we have to hand this gun to Saint-14 so that he can then use it to defeat the Vex, and so that we can pick it up later, and it goes on forever, and it's... Yeah. Like, stuff like that makes me so happy, because it's just so fantastical, and you get the ability to sort of transport yourself away. That's, yeah, that's, awesome. that's what's so good. I got, I got two more questions before we kind of move along for you, Bife. Um, one was like, you know, as your channel, your, um, your YouTube content grew and your channel grew, like you, you were at university at the time. Like you just graduated yeah. a year or two ago, two years ago? Uh, a couple yeah, of years but, ago, basically. Like, Soon to be three. While you were so. in university and growing your channel, like how, how challenging was that for you mentally and emotionally? Or, 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 or did that just kind of flow? Did you get like a good rhythm in order to keep up your content? So realistically speaking, at the time being, I didn't think about it as much. I had a very sort of head down and just do it kind of attitude, which was way more destructive, I realize now. But 
I, you know, I've talked about in the past where there would be nights where I would very easily consider four hours of sleep a good four hours of sleep, mm. right? So, I, you know, let's not, yeah, let's not, like, color it in any other way. Like, YouTube, if you are putting in the dedicated hours to it, which at the end of the day I was, it can be anywhere between a hefty part-time and a full-time job. And then there are the extreme days where you can go way, way longer and you can end up working for 14 or 16 <laughs> hours. And that, on top of university, is something that really will weigh on you. I mean, you know, this as well, trying to fit in a social life or anything else in between. I think there's that wonderful kind of little thing where it's like, hey, choose two of the following out of the four. And it's like sleep, social life, university, and work. And then it's like, oh, okay. Uh, well, I guess those last two are pretty important. And so, you know, you're forced to prioritize. And that's ended up being kind of the set of choices that I had. And, you know, like... There were good friends that were there with me all the time. I was in a house of some fantastic people, and they helped a lot with regards to the emotional burden, and then I also had fantastic friends throughout the Destiny community. But, you know, like, to say nothing of the support that I got from people such as Bell through Guardian Radio at the time being, or fellow YouTubers such as More Console and Unknown Player and my clan in Peasant Guard, you know, to say nothing of their support, it was... Yeah, it was still one of those times where I sat there and I was like, I'll just keep going and I'll finish this eventually, somehow. But that, yeah, that attitude was self-destructive, pretty much in the extreme. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm, my, my other question is a, a less a less serious question. <laughs> if you could pick one mm-hmm. character from Destiny 2 to give the introductionary scene in Destiny 3, which character would you want it to be? Okay, that's an interesting You're welcome. <laughs> that's a really interesting one. Okay. Wow, okay, you got me kind of stumped there. Um, so, I mean, if we think about it, when it comes to Destiny 1's introductory scene, it's kind of just ghost, etc., wandering around. If it's Destiny 2, it's literally ghost talking. But I feel like with Destiny 3, we're going to see a tone set where it's a lot more about a balance between light and dark. If it was one of these things where I could say any character, including those that are dead, I would say Ulan Tan, because his entire thing is about balance and about a split perspective of saying, well, hey, the Traveler and the Darkness are kind of like a yin and a yang. If I was going to go with characters that are alive, though, I would say there's some really great potential to go with someone like, say, Mara. Because Mora, again, is one of those people that, you know, the Awoken as a people are of both light and dark. But if her character is still relevant in Destiny 3, I feel like she's kind of one of those perfect characters to sort of, like, pinhole the entire point of these are two equal forces in a certain sense, and we need to try and find a balance between the two, right? So, yeah, I think I'd go with Mara. Awesome. I definitely feel like her story is going to develop a, a lot more in the coming expansions. Oh, yeah. No, totally. It's already. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we talked about Mara a little bit uh, a couple episodes ago, and her right. story is really it's interesting. developing. Mm-hmm. It really came alive during Forsaken, and it's still evolving as we move through, uh, well, year year two of Destiny 2. Well, I mean, like, Marisov mm-hmm. is someone that, the community definitely has been clamoring for since Taken King. And, you oh, know, yeah. there's been all the right. theories and the hypotheses, you know, over, what, uh, two years? 
two and a half, three years, you know, what is, is she really dead? Is she going to come back? And, you know, you got the answer with um, Forsaken, which, um, you know, many would say, you know, saved the franchise uh, or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, gave it uh, a shot of adrenaline, definitely. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, well, by right. f- again, we're super glad that you're here. Um, but we're going to uh, kind of summarize uh, what Bife is here to talk about and what, what we're all going to be talking about today. Um, today we're going we, to we're gonna do like two parts. We're doing like two recordings this week. This is the first part. This is going to be about like burnout for content creators. Um, so we're going to be talking about that today. And um, we got some gaming news and uh, we got a really cool character analysis on The Drifter coming up later. Um but Destiny isn't the only game we all play. But uh, what else have you guys been playing this week? What, what have you been playing, Bell? So I haven't. I haven't personally started playing yet. But we finally downloaded Red Dead. Yes, so good. Yeah, so yeah, good. it happened. It happened. That was where Christmas money went. And I watched Joey start playing it. And I haven't done it myself yet. But I, I will get there. But I actually was grinding the crap out of i know me grinding the crap out of destiny like what that actually happened are you sick? i know life right <laughs> I'm maybe Proud of maybe you. <laughs> <laughs> but um so yeah i mean because i actually completed everything there was to do for iron banner and for um the dawning which was kind of like oh nice big for me to actually complete stuff so <laughs> that's where all my time kind of went so now, now I'm taking a slight break again, and then I'm going to play other things for a time. She play Destiny again for next dotting. Pretty much. <laughs> no. uh, Joe, what 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 you been playing? I've been playing a lot of D two still. I started uh, getting back into Warframe. I played a little bit the other night, nice an hour or two, and then uh, I started playing another game from uh, indie studio, uh, Finjin, uh, Night in the Woods. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Mental health centered, you know, or has a focus in it with the main characters, and uh, we're gonna start streaming that. Uh, this yeah, for sure. Time. Yeah, I um, I know when we had Centrobos on, and she, she she raved about how awesome that is as well. Yeah, and it's a really awesome. great studio too. Fantastic. Well, you you mm. met them at PAX, I think PAX East yes. in Boston. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Doctor Goku, what you been playing? Uh, I haven't had a lot of time to to play just because of the holidays and going up to to the in laws. Uh, played a little bit of D2 for the, for the dawning, but the Switch was really uh, a good thing right. to have with Switch me. I started playing. Yeah, so I've been playing uh, a crap ton of uh, Smash. Awesome. Just doing it's a lot the, of fun. Uh, Spirits Adventures. Yeah. Uh, the the single player Spirits Adventures is, oh my god, there's so much to do. <laughs> so I'm going to be at that for like the next year. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Bife, what you been playing? Um, so basically I have been doing destiny stuff as per usual, <laughs> uh, but nowadays I do more of it for recording sake. But yeah, basically my free time off has been a little bit weird cause I'm doing the whole moving thing right now. But when I did get a chance to play yesterday, I actually went back to like 2007 or something. Has anyone ever heard of 40 K? No. I, I want to presume there's at least Warhammer? one or two. Yeah. Warhammer. Yeah, so I played uh, Warhammer 40k Dawn of War um, from way, way back in, like, 2004. I played the one with... Well, I played the latest expansion set, Soulstorm, yeah. just because I love doing a few skirmish games on that. And it's such a... It's an old-school RTS, except it's got a very different kind of twist on things. And it's a ton of fun. 
So yeah, nerdy games you may or may not know I've played. So, there you go. Actually, speaking of throwback stuff, the the real thing I forgot that I've been playing is so for Christmas, uh, my husband got me an old Game Boy because that was oh, that was my that. thing Ooh. when I was younger. The old brick or the or the thin ones. Well, I, he the got. Color. I remember he the brick. <laughs> no, so that's what I used. Yes. I used to have an original Game Boy, and then I also had a color, and that was all I ever yeah. had. I never had consoles in my house mm. until I moved in with my husband. So, um, but uh, he got me the Advance SP, I think, mm-hmm. so that I have oh, like more Boy variety. Clamshell one. Yeah, because that way Lips. I have like yeah. it kind of covers everything up onto until like they started making the DSs. So, um, <laughs> but I've been playing Pokemon Yellow. Because I used to play Pokemon oh. Blue, that was my thing. Like that, I was that I was the girl who showed up to school hauling my little Game Boy around with playing Pokemon during recess. Um, I was a red kid <laughs> rather than blue. But he got me yellow because he thought I would like having Pikachu follow me. And I have to admit, <laughs> it's kind of adorable how stupidly he walks behind you constantly. So that has been what I'm playing, awesome. and I have a goal to actually complete the game because I never did when I was a kid. There you and go. then I was dumb and sold mm. my stuff for like two bucks to some kid at a yard sale. Awesome. So, including my entire Pokemon that. card collection, I gave away to the same kid, and I was like, "I am so stupid." <laughs> <laughs> backing on that, uh, the new uh, Let's Go uh, Pikachu and Eevee games are a remake. Yep, yep. Of Pokemon Yellow. Oh, really? I and want them can, so can, bad, but yeah. I don't have a Switch. To <laughs> and you can choose to either have Eevee or, or, mm-hmm. or Pikachu to follow you, but any other Pokemon that you want follow you around no yes mm-hmm. what <laughs> Isn't it like, if you choose like um snorax um oh my he, god he just, he just like rolls, rolls behind, behind you, you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a giant you have to drag him <laughs> it's just fantastic <laughs> By the way, Bell, I've got to I got to pick up on that. Like that feeling of I played this game during my childhood, and I want to actually go back and finish it because now yes. I'm like a competent human being exactly. instead of being like five. Also, there's like, the internet that is to such help a move. me. I can Google search how to do things instead of getting stuck. Yeah, because there's a guide. Awesome. For everything, there's a guide. Yeah. Oh, back I, in the day, yeah, there was no guide. Because when he so like other than Nintendo Power. <laughs> Christmas morning, I, like, open the first present he gives me. It was just the, like, charger cable. And I was like, hold on a second. I know this thing. Like, I carry this thing around <laughs> everywhere. I was like, no way. I opened the second one. I immediately turned on the second that the, like, you know, little startup sound. And I started bawling my eyes out. I was like, this is my whole uh, child. It's <laughs> awesome. Ding. <laughs> yeah, I've been, um, I, I, I finally picked up Red Dead 2 uh, again. And so I, um, I'm getting towards the end of it. And it's fantastic it's such a good story the other thing i've been playing is uh rainbow six siege and i've been having a lot of fun with it i think i'm good but i'm not good (laughs) well it's 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 one of those really been able to play yeah um i um our buddy ragin has it and a, a few other people i know have it and it um i think doc had it for a while yeah, Doc's too old to play it now, I think. But um just <laughs> But no, I it's it's definitely one of those games that like like it I almost got it last Christmas when it was on sale, but it was on sale this week for like fifteen bucks, something like that. Fifteen dollars American, super cheap. So I um it's definitely one of those games that like if you get it after the fact, like after the big hype for the game as it's as it's coming out, as it gets released and whatnot, it's one of those games that like 
you, there are so many people that this is the only game they've played for like two or three years. <laughs> Expect to get pub stomped here and there, but uh, I've still, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've been, been enjoying it. It's it's a lot of fun. But um, we're going to move along to our mental health topic this week. And what is that, Dr. Goku? So you mentioned that we're going to talk about burnout. Yes, so th- there's a distinction to be made whether you live in North America or you live in Europe, because we have different classification systems in North America versus Europe. So in North America, we have what's called the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, 5th fifth, fifth edition. And I have my own thoughts about it and what they did with it. And that, that's a whole topic for a whole other thing. <laughs> Salt! <laughs> in Europe, it's the ICD. So the International Classifications of Disorders. So in Europe, with the ICD-10, burnout is recognized as a diagnosis. While in North America, within the DSM-5, it is not recognized as a diagnosis. We still recognize what burnout is. It's just classified under major depression. So it's something to kind of... Uh, My space is like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So it's the same thing, just different name for it. But we know Mm -hmm. what it typically is. So burnout is a type of psychological stress. Uh, We can look at occupational burnout or job burnout as characterized by exhaustion, lack of enthusiasm, and motivation, feelings of ineffectiveness. Um, in many dimensions of frustration or cynicism as a result as in reduced efficacy in the workplace. So burnout is when someone is in a state of emotional, mental, and physical exhaustion uh, caused by excessive and prolonged stress in any aspects of their lives. True. As the stress can... Oh, oh no, I was just going to say, uh, you can also add to that uh, the lack of motivation, mm-hmm. just doing the same thing over and over. You know, uh, you lose mm-hmm. that that passion or drive for it. You kind of, uh, the intrinsic feelings that you get from it are outweighed by the intrinsic, uh, <laughs> but I think that's the correct word, uh, side of it. Yes. Well, well you back in on that, it, it, what burnout will do? And a lot of the symptoms that I'll mentioned are almost interchangeable with what we see in depression. So the difference between burnout and depression is depression it can be a lot longer lasting, and there's other factors that kind of fall into it. While burnout, when we can take a leave from work, we still need to do outside work on ourselves, but we can recover a lot more quickly than when we talk about major depressive disorder. So when we look at burnout, it'll reduce your productivity, it saps your energy, it leaves you feeling uh, increasingly helpless, hopeless, cynical, resentful, and feel that you don't have anything else to give. And it's Different than just having days where we feel feel bored or overloaded or unappreciated at at work and other aspects of our lives. This becomes perpetual and it seeps into 
every aspect of our lives. So indications on if you may be starting to get burnt out is every day becomes a bad day. Caring about your work or home life seems like a total waste of energy. You're exhausted all the time. The majority of your day spent on tasks you find either mind-numbingly dull or overwhelming. You feel like nothing you do makes a difference or is appreciated. One thing that we see a lot, and we see a lot of content creators go through, and I'm sure you can attest to this, Bife, is a lot of content creators suffer from burnout. Like you mentioned, that balance... So pick two out of the four or five that you have to do. And certainly in YouTube, because YouTube is, and and in in Twitch, you need to post something all the time. You need to be streaming all the time. And if you're not, your following or your number of views are going to decrease. So it's that added pressure of always feeling that I need to be working. I need to be producing something. And you start to feel guilty about taking time off. Absolutely. Can I speak to that for just a second? Because it's one of the scariest things that I see, not just when I look back to myself, uh, but also just from YouTubers and Twitch streamers throughout the entire sphere of people that I know. There is this prevailing attitude, which scares me now that I recognize it more, which is this idea of, I'm lazy, says the person who is working bare minimum six days a week and can sometimes stream for up to 12 hours a day. And that's also not including, you know, the typical stuff that everybody needs to do in order to survive, such as, you know, eating and sleeping and managing their house and doing everything else in between. And that prevailing attitude, I think, is horrifying because it's done nothing but contribute to burnout. And it's one of those things that wears down a person is this mentality of we always need to be online and always need to be working. There's a few ways in which that's gotten a bit better. I know that in recent years when YouTube introduced the system by which you can schedule uploads, it's made things a lot more manageable. But even so, for some people, that's not necessarily an option. I know that in recent terms, when I look back at myself, I am now very fortunate because my content is not as time sensitive. But for news YouTubers, if I'm thinking of people, someone like, say, uh, More Console or Unknown Player, they come to mind in particular, not as someone who's experienced burnout, but more as someone who feels this time pressure, their stuff erodes within, in terms of just the pure, like, quality of views that they will get over time. And if they don't jump on that really quickly, then they're not going to get that viewership, and that means that it's worse off for them, they'll fall in rankings, etc. You know, bad things happen. So at the end of the day, yeah, that pressure is there constantly. And it's definitely something that YouTubers and streamers feel the strain of a lot. I think it's also misunderstood, too. I mean, a lot of people, like... Mm -hmm. uh, the viewers and you know followers don't see that side of it uh they see it as you know like like you said you know they're streaming for 12 hours a day but everything in the background that people don't see can wear somebody down to their bone and just really mess with them in their personal life and 
professional life with streaming as well. I mean, you lose track of pushing things back. Like, oh, well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pick that up later, or you know, I'll, I'll eat when I'm done streaming, and then you're just so tired. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just need to get some sleep because right. you're streaming the next morning, mm-hmm. or you're creating something else the next morning, and things just get keep getting pushed back farther and farther until it all piles up and it falls over on you. Mm-hmm. You want to know what the scariest example of that was for me? It's the thing that Bell and a million other people kept on telling me every single time that I felt like I was in some kind of, like, overstressed, overworked thing. It was the simplest of recommendations, which was, why don't you take a break? For me, it was always a thing of, ah, I'll just, you know, I'll push it back until... January or February. And that sounds ridiculous, but that's entirely the mentality that I was going through at the time being, you know? I sat there and I thought, well, you know, it's the middle of October, it's a busy season, I can't, I can't push stuff back now, this is, this is ridiculous, you know? This is when you're gonna make the hay, you know? The sun's shining. So, in the end, it was just a thing of push everything back. And, yeah, that entire attitude applies to everything else in real life. I mean, to be really frank and grisly details included when it was time in university and when this was going on with me, even though I don't think I wanted to acknowledge it, you know, everything in my life got kind of bad. Everything from just like the side of things where it's like, yeah, even personal hygiene gets awful. Your diet becomes atrocious when you're doing all this. Cause what are you concerned about? You're concerned about the speed at which you can eat, not the quality of what you're eating. And, you know, again, when it comes to sleep, you don't necessarily see that as much. And that sounds a little bit ridiculous, but the idea of, oh, well, I need to get this work done now. I can sleep later or I can sleep less and then I can just do the day that's ahead of me and then I will sleep after that's done. You know, you push everything back and it leads to this cramming of your schedule. So, yeah, destructive. And I think one of the really important things, like... Joey, you were saying, you know, mm-hmm. that the viewers don't necessarily know about this or don't understand it or recognize it. Um, and I think that's one of the, one of the best things to come out of, um, I would say content creators in general. Like if you look at YouTube as a whole lately, as sad as it is to see how many of them have been dealing with burnout, a lot more of them are admitting it and talking about it. And I mm-hmm. think that's really, really important to see because one, it allows, other YouTubers or other content creators to know they're not alone, that most other content creators are also experiencing this. And it also allows the viewers to understand and to, to be aware. Um, Cause it's, it's, it's very easy to make the assumption that like as a content creator, make the assumption that I can't cause like in Bife, I'm going to say, <laughs> I've seen you do this many times. I can't take a break mm-hmm. because what about my viewers? That's going to drop my numbers. That's right. going to let them down. It's this fear of disappointing them and a fear of failure. And yet, oftentimes, when I have... And of course, yes, you're going to always have those people that, that respond poorly to that right. stuff. But mm-hmm. it's also really cool to see how many people lately have been responding to content creators in a very positive, hey, we get it. Go take a break. Like, Fife, when you took some of mm-hmm. your vacation time, and a lot of your people supported you 100% being like, dude, go do it. Especially because right. when we talk openly about it, we all can understand that, yes, it sucks to miss deadlines or it sucks to push back your content. It sucks to take a break. It's a scary thing. But if you keep mm-hmm. pushing yourself too hard 
at some point that's going to catch up to you and you're going to have no choice anymore. It's not going to be something you schedule. It's not going to be something where you're even necessarily here in a healthy way at all anymore to continue to create content. So it's like, it's that issue of like taking care of yourself now, taking that risk now in order to continue to have a later in creating content and frankly being here. Dang it. You got me saying frankly already, wife. <laughs> Actually, picking back. Hey, that's my thing that. that I say over and over again too much. <laughs> Piggybacking on that, Belle, I had a, um, I had a client yesterday that she's suffering from work burnout and she's 41 years old and her entire life mentality was, there's a whole bunch of other things, but going uh, with her whole life mentality through her whole life, her dad said, you need to work. You need to work hard. This is what we do. Right? His, her father was a farmer, so you have to work hard. Life is about work. And her entire life was about work, revolved around going to work. And she came up to a point where she couldn't do it anymore just because she was so burnt out with everything going on that she had no choice to be placed on leave. And one of the things that stops people from progressing from burnout, from recuperating from burnout, is that guilt of taking a break. She had been placed on leave since November 22nd. And even at yesterday, she is feeling guilty that she is not at work because a normal quote-unquote person goes to work a normal person does this and it, it shows how her perception is skewed and it's very important to understand that not everything revolves around work everything revolves around balance while work is important other aspects of our lives are important. And there are four fundamental pillars that we need to uh, be emotionally healthy. And I talked about these, uh, I think, a few episodes ago. So the four pillars of emotional regulation. So you can take the most emotionally regulated person, take away one or more of these four things, and they're going to be very emotionally dysregulated. If you dehydrate someone, you malnourish someone, you sleep deprive someone, and you socially isolate that person, they will become emotionally dysregulated. And when I, when I mentioned last time, look at these four things and the, the four fundamental basis of human torture. And yet we do that to ourselves through our own perception of what we feel we need to do to our own detriment. So to people here, to everyone listening to the podcast later on, take time for yourself. Take time to take care of yourself. It's okay to take a break. I mean, for that, like, what are some of the, um, what's the, be- like, rudimentary good like self-care tips for like con- especially content creators 
um, who who to, to prevent burnout. Making sure those four so, pillars are actually being met, at least somewhat. Yeah. <laughs> like, so mm-hmm. ma- make sure to hydrate yourself. Make sure to eat properly. Make sure to get enough sleep. Uh, people say, oh, get eight hours. It, it varies from person to person, but make sure that you get good sleep. S- don't socially isolate yourself, even though you're interacting with chat. It's not the same thing as physical human interaction. Mm-hmm. Humans are social creatures. We need that social interaction. We need to go out to a pub and meet up with friends. Uh, go out to see a movie or go to supper. We need to. Are you are you socialize. just inserting British versions of this? We're talking about We have pubs. We have pubs in the U.S. and Canada. Pub we we also eat supper in the U.S. and Canada. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So sorry to interrupt. You. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> uh, you are making time correct, to um, acknowledge that you may be kind of skewing on one end or the other. Uh, if people that you know that you're a perfectionist, knowing that uh, if you spend hours upon hours upon hours on a project, that is good enough, but you're obsessing over it so working on that aspect of yourself so being more content with the work that you're putting out rather than uh, working three to four times more that you feel that you should Um, working on effective time management sometimes scheduling self-care time as crazy as it sounds is important Setting realistic goals, that you're accomplishing things, that you're not feeling that you're constantly um, underachieving or you're constantly failing. Um, Bife, now for you, um, you know, obviously you 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 have a huge channel and whatnot. Like, what what do you do to um, to kind of like prevent burnout on your end? I mean, like, do you like? have like a, a system where you, you know, I work these days, this day I keep for myself to, you know, go outside and do, do whatever it is you need to do. Or like, do you have your own kind of way of just managing it? Well, now I do, I have something which is a little bit closer to that, but the scary thing is that for years and years on end, up until a very recent point in time, I had no such system for managing that. Um, when it comes to, content creators specifically if i've learned anything from the last four or so months and the experiences that i've had over that i think the the ones we often i mean everybody's going to struggle with each of the four pillars that were being spoken of earlier but i think the ones that we can tend to struggle with the most are probably going to be proper sleep and social isolation you know i mean streamers and youtubers yeah sure we all have our bouts where we probably don't eat as healthily as we could and where we're not hydrating ourselves although hydration bot on twitch is helping thank god um but yeah the point at which it really becomes troublesome i do believe is social isolation and sleep because as you stated earlier you know despite the fact that we are interacting with the twitch chat or we are looking at youtube comments or we're on twitter it is not the same as being face to face with someone and actually seeing them but the other thing to note as well i think this is a really big thing that i have to recommend to every content creator 
Do not sleep and work in the same room. You see that bed behind me? I am only in this room right now because I have a bed in a different place that is nowhere close to a computer. I have removed all semblance of technology except for my phone from that place. And you know why? Because my phone is my alarm clock. That's it. I don't take a look at it. I don't have anything that contributes to electric smog while that's going on. And as a result, my circadian rhythm is better. I'm going to sleep at a normal human time, and I'm getting a reasonable amount of sleep now. And that is very much something that I learned. As far as social isolation is concerned as well, it's one of those things where if you block yourself into too much work, this is another one of those things that you push back. So now what I try and do, although this upcoming week has been a little bit weird with regards to that, I'll explain why in a sec, um, is I make sure to give myself a dedicated weekend. And if I have not finished all of the work that I wanted to do, I need to be content just to let go, right? So if that means that it takes, you know, a video to come out next week, I will simply let that be. The only reason I'm making an exception right now is because next week I fly off to Memphis and St. Jude, and that is a thing that Fantastic. takes priority. And, you know, it's fine to make little exceptions here and there, right? Because it's life, you know? Things happen. Mm. Sometimes you got to have one of those crazy work weeks. But make sure you're not letting that become the norm and make sure that you're making time for yourself. Because at the end of the day, you know, we are putting ourselves under kind of a microscope, if you think about it. Everybody gets to examine our lives en masse as content creators in a way that is very, very different from most other people that exist on the internet. And we are subject to way more critique, not just from other people, but also from ourselves. So if you don't have a moment where you can step back and say enough of this for one day, I'm leaving that behind. If you can't create that mental separation between your online alias and you, problems arise. And it is something that also can continue to lead to that social isolation. Because what if you... And let's give a little example of this. If I go to sleep and I'm still wearing my quote-unquote bife hat, what does that do to me when I'm asleep? Well, damn, Bife is alone. Bife isn't doing anything, but Bife is doing stuff when he's working on videos, and Bife has got no kind of, like, lack of social interaction when he's preparing content and he's having to, like, play some Destiny with his friends so he can record B-roll. It creates this awful trap of a mentality. So, yeah, side note, that's another thing. Separate yourself from your online alias if you haven't already. That's great you know, advice. Draw the clear line between one and the other. Because if you do not, then, yeah, bad things, bad things do not happen. Sorry, bad things do happen. My God. Yeah. Oof, wow. Let's rephrase that. So, something a lot of people do, maybe not understand, and certainly for content creators, is for content creators, what they're doing, whether they're making videos or streaming on Twitch, that's their job. That's what they do. For mm -hmm. people watching that content, that's their time off. That's right. what they're doing on their leisure time. And it's saying that you're taking away my leisure time because you are taking a break. How dare you? So mm -hmm. it, it falls on to the community as well, realizing and accepting that the content creator is human as well. Yeah. They need breaks as well. And I think watching TV shows, watching TV shows, they take seasonal breaks. Mm-hmm. Same way as content creators need to. Yeah. And so I think 
part of the reason it's hard if you're if you're a viewer who doesn't create your own content. I think um, one of the things that's kind of hard to comprehend is we want to compare it to like you know we're calling it a job and it is. But when a non-content creator thinks about a job, there's a start and time or start and end point to your work day. Um, mm-hmm. You clock in, you clock out. Content creators, because of the way the internet works, don't really have that unless they literally decide these are the times. Because internet existence is a kind of non-stop thing. That's the way the internet works. It's that you have to be on top of stuff, you have to be involved. And then there's also just the, the mindset of, wanting to be involved wanting to read like you post you post a video instead of just letting it sit and letting it do its thing a lot of content creators are sitting there scrolling through the comments immediately taking note on the stuff which isn't bad to do at some point but when you just spent the last 12 hours filming and editing and then you post it and now you're also sitting there for the next four hours reading crap that people Mm -hmm. are also saying about you that may or may not be true it does not help. There is, it's very right. hard to turn off that, that, that job mentality mm-hmm. when it comes to the internet. And so comprehending that when you, like when you're saying when it's a person who that, the internet is purely leisure for them is, is I'm sure is very difficult to understand. Like I didn't understand it until I started getting, and I'm not, I'm not a big content creator. Okay. I'm like mini, mini, mini. <laughs> and, and and that's something I want to mention too. Is like I cannot fully understand what it is like to be a large scale content creator. Like the mm-hmm. level that burnout has got to exist for you people. Mm-hmm. But even as a small small scale content creator in my own little way, like you know I've felt this too. And so it's like it's this again. I say this almost every episode. It's, there's a spectrum, and and every, there's a I think a lot more people would understand it the more and more we discuss it you know and it isn't just content careers like you said it's it there's job burnout no matter where you work is very possible so most likely pretty much everybody has at some point experienced a form of burnout but we don't talk about it well for sure and plus Mm -hmm. and one thing that happens with a lot of people and and plus reading youtube comments is like taking a stroll down positivity avenue (laughs) (laughs) really depends on where you're reading with the new advent of technology so smartphones you are always connected while it's a great tool to use to connect it's always there well the fact that do we all have ours literally within reach right now because i'm pretty sure we all probably do (laughs) we all just pick it right up off the desk so work is always there. How many of you so have you checked your Bell, phone while we've been recording this podcast? I mean, that's that's, that's unfair because you, you DM'd <laughs> me over Twitter, Bell. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that's important is even though you're on break, your your time is up. You're still working. People can mm-hmm. DM you, tweet at you, email you anytime. So it sucks you back into work. And that's mm-hmm. why those clear boundaries need to be so important. So when we talk right. about self-care, it's saying that from X time to X time, I am not working. I am not using Twitter. I'm not using Discord. I'm not using email. I am focusing on me. Mm-hmm. 
If I might add on something to this, just to give the idea of like the workload that people don't see, one of my favorite kind of like little talking points regarding YouTube generally is a little statistic that someone, I say statistic, it's kind of like a yardstick is more appropriate of a word that someone told to me once. And yeah, I completely agree with it now. It's to say that when you look at a YouTuber and gauge their content, for every minute of a video you watch, 10 times as much time has gone into that. So for every minute that you watch, 10 minutes of work has gone into that. And that gives you a vague idea of how much some people end up working. Now, of course, that is dependent on editing, it's dependent on style, it's dependent on whether you just do a rough single take of a video or whether you heavily script things. But when it comes down to it, I find that that's a pretty appropriate yardstick. So, you know, base your channel off of that and around that and think about people who make that much content on a regular basis and think about how much work that ends up being. You know, it was one of the great joys for me to look at someone like, say, Mr. Fruit, who used to do double uploads daily. And he said, I'm going to be cutting that back recently to doing only a single upload. And that was music to my ears because he's also been there talking about depression and he's also gone through these struggles. And, you know, when I lick, uh, yeah, when I look to his story, it's really, really, really similar. Yeah, no, I know. I lick so it came out there instead of look. Great. I mean, he's um, fruit. You might lick. Fruit. Well, they um, he is, they, they, you know, it's another um, uh, English YouTuber, uh, Jack Frags. He's big in the Battlefield community, and he I know he's a Destiny player here and there. And he recently put out a video that that Doctor Goku had referred me to, and he talked about depression and anxiety. Um, you know, he like mm-hmm. he went to his. Uh, uh, physician or osteopathician and was like, Hey, what is wrong with me? And then they basically came to the conclusion, like you're depressed, you have depression. Uh, and like, this is how you, um, you know, this is, this is the, the resources that you need to need to go after. And, you know, he's another one of those big YouTubers that, you know, it's a video every day, at least, you know, and it's, um, mm-hmm. that, that burnout can hit you quick. And, um, People yeah. don't realize how important our coping strategies are and how fragile they are. And the more we use them, the less and less effective they become over time. And a lot of our coping strategies can become maladaptive after a while. So I, I've talked on the episode previously about my uh, my rock analogy. When you think about a rock, it's that image of something that is solid that is persistent, that is immovable. But even water, give it enough time, is going to make that rock crumble. And it's the same thing for us. If you can constantly do the same thing and you push yourself as much, eventually you're going to crumble. And the point of this episode is to help others that are listening to take the time to take care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Anybody else have anything to say on uh, on Burnout before we kind of move along to some uh, some gaming stuff? I think there's something that needs to be said regarding recognizing it, which is why I was so glad that at the very beginning of this we ran down definitions um, according to both the American and EU one, which I'm citing very firmly with the EU side of things here, yes. but also to talk about what you're feeling and the sort of symptoms of it all, because the most insidious thing about burnout and the 
scariest thing is just the fact that you often won't accept that it's a thing, right? You will often let that stuff slide under the rug and just be a part of your life, you know? It so easily inserts itself as a sort of just factor of the status quo of your life, and that is not how it should be, you know? It's one of those things of, if you look back and you think about how, like, to give my perspective on things at least, to give, to think back to how it felt to create content when I started YouTube versus what it was like two years in, you know? It was two very fundamentally different feelings, and that's really scary when I look back to it, because, yeah, I should have recognized then, and I did not, and that screwed me, to put it really unpolitely. Yeah, it screwed me really badly. So, yeah, I think that's the most important thing about it. Like, Bell, how many times did we start a conversation, you were like, how are you doing? And I was like, I am tired. Uh, every? And I wouldn't even, right? And <laughs> literally, literally, I wouldn't even have the energy to do, oh man, I'm tired. I'd just be like, oh, I'm so tired, you know? It's like, there is no energy to it. And at that point, it should have been an alarm bell to me where I said, okay, now is time to take a moment. Now is time to breathe. Now is time to take a break. And realistically, if I'd recognized that sooner, if I'd listened to all of you guys everywhere <laughs> saying, hey, take a break, don't push yourself too hard, wouldn't have happened to be in this situation. The thing that scares me is that there's the possibility that this is happening for other people out there. I think it's why I'm so glad to see more people like Bless who recently made a video on this topic talking about how he was burnt out and also again to bring it back to fruit and you know to talk about all the other creators who have recently been talking about this it's why it's so good to voice this because for starters your audience understands but also it breaks that mentality of I need to constantly be serving them you can't serve them if you are burnt you can't serve them if you're gone like there is no point in thinking about that 100% of the time. Yes, you should have a respectful relationship with your audience, and yes, you should do your best to make sure that you are serving them right. You should absolutely be a role model, and you should absolutely deliver the content that you try to deliver, but you can't do that if you put them first all the time. There is a time for that attitude, and there is a time for that attitude to take a backseat, you know? Like it's okay if, to put yourself first. It's even recommended, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like I think nowadays the only points at which I really want to put the the audience first one hundred percent of the time for like an extended period of time over like a week. The only point at which I'm going to do that now is going to be a convention, right? Because at that point, if I'm meeting people, I am there solely for the purpose of making their day. Like I am there for them, not for me. So that's the whole moment where I would let that see. Except, and at that except point, hold on. It's still very oh. important if it's a multi-day convention to still take care of yourself at night so that the next day you're not totally burnt out. Blah, blah, right. blah. <laughs> just mm -hmm. saying, just saying, because I've been around yeah, you at conventions fair, too fair. and you still need to take care of yourself there too. But that in the moment, in the moment, yeah, I get that though. <laughs> I recall... Yeah, it's important because what you're putting out those videos, those conventions, the videos aren't the product. You are the product. You right. are the the reason why people go to your channel or go to your stream. 
the the content is a byproduct of you. It's mm-hmm. why it's so important to take care of yourself. It is window dressing. <laughs> exactly. And mm-hmm. another one would hope at least it is. So sorry, Bill, no, go ahead. <laughs> another thing I wanted to hit on with what you were saying though is that um you 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 are you keep talking about how you wish that you'd recognized it sooner. And I think that Cat, shut up. Yeah, cat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's having like he's having a day, you guys. Um yeah, we'll day. <laughs> anyway, um that you know, I think it's important to acknowledge that you wish you had seen that sooner because I think that's it's it's a good point to make to people to maybe to reflect on themselves and to acknowledge it to themselves. But I think the the really important thing though is to acknowledge that you did finally recognize it and you did something about it. And and now it's the continuing to do something about it and mm-hmm. helping other people do something about it. Um, I, don't, I just want to throw that out there because because I don't I don't know if you're giving yourself enough credit for actually. It took a while, yes, but you mm-hmm. got there, and that's what's important. And that's to anybody out there. Like yeah. if you you know it's it's if when you finally do recognize it, you know it's it's good to to celebrate the fact that you're you're making change, even if it takes. A while to get into some good habits within that change mm-hmm. and something else to content creators who work 24 7 if you are at that stage don't be afraid to just suddenly say i need the week off because for starters you are your own boss no one else is going to give you vacation time no one else is going to tell you to take a day off you got to be the one to do that but also it's one of those things where i can genuinely guarantee that you will feel the difference right? I took a month and I did not want to take a month. Even when I made my video, I said, I'll take a, you know, I I hesitated at first when I said I would take time. And then I eventually sort of just said in the thing, like, yeah, okay, I will take a month at that moment. And even then I was like, but first I want to get a raid video done, which is like, no, stop, you cut it there. And then I tried doing that script and then I couldn't do it because it was just not there. I just did not have the mental energy. And so after that was done, I was just like, okay, that was a mistake again. Final nail in the coffin for that one, metaphorically speaking. Lesson learned. So do not be afraid of literally dropping everything. Because, yeah, trust me, it is better than the alternative. Working yourself to that extent is not worth your time. It's not worth your audience's time. Don't be afraid of it. I know it's scary. Because you see that massive downwards curve in the metrics. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my god, my analytics are done. Oh, my income for lack of streams is shot this month. Oh man, that's going to be tough. It's okay. People will come back. People will be there. You will not just disappear overnight. This is not the hyperbolic days of 2007 where if you didn't upload for a day, people would be like, oh my god, is he dead? Like, <laughs> no, no. You, it, no, <laughs> it does not work like that anymore. That, people get it. People understand. Is that something you would maybe recommend as when somebody goes to take a break to completely avoid looking at numbers? Yes, and maybe even absolutely. when you first come back, just focus on creating again, not focus. On, yeah. Okay. Focus on making the best thing you can out of it. I did not even look at my analytics um, after the break started until it was literally like... A week before I came back, and even then I looked once, left it be, and then looked again in another three weeks when I was two weeks back into making content. 
That was the kind of time scale. I looked very little. And that was entirely the right decision because it separated my mind from all of that. And it means that you can focus on something else. If I'm going to be honest too, take a break from everything that your job entails. I vanished from Twitter. I am almost always on Twitter. I tweet every day. But for a solid month or so, I was making maybe a tweet a week because I did not want to be attached to my phone constantly because now that's work for me. So put everything down. Don't be afraid to drop everything. And I do mean everything. Like, don't half-ass it and say, well, I'll stop making videos, but I'll still be doing my Instagram stories. Or, well, <laughs> I won't be doing the streams, but I'll still make the occasional vlog. No, 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 no. That still work. Just be there for yourself. Be in the moment. Right? No cameras, just people living in the moment. That's the phrase that keeps on memeing its way around the internet. Let that happen, awesome. you know? Fantastic. Well, definitely uh, a great end to uh, part one of our burnout conversation, which we will be extending to the next episode as well. Um, but let's move on to some gaming news. Uh, by did, I heard you took a recent trip to uh, to Stockholm. Is that true? Uh, it may or may not be true. I may or may not have been there at the invitations of EA, and I don't know if I can say much more. Maybe as you that. walked in the doors, like, your, your anthem rang through the spe- speakers. Mm, I know, right? <laughs> it was almost like, uh... I mean, realistically, I was there so fast, it was kind of like a javelin, yeah. right? Like, just yeeted over there. That was it, really. <laughs> well, and I, I know, um, Joe, Joe, you placed the, the, the alpha, right, for anthem? Yes, the closed alpha. Yeah. And I was yeah, and super excited when I saw Bife's Twitter standing outside, standing <laughs> thumbs up. Like, <laughs> I was like, ooh, I can't wait. Cause one of the- so you two are allowed to say, I have played Anthem and nothing else. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just so we're absolutely clear for everybody watching that we're not going to break any NDAs on this <laughs> at all. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I do want to say, I wanted to say at the top of the show was uh, Bife's, uh, con- the content you create isn't limited to Destiny. It's mm-hmm. so many other franchises now that it's grown into, you know, including Warframe, uh, Destiny. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm on the spot right now and I've had like six hours of sleep. Been up since four AM. Also, there were some did Halo videos in the past. Oh, they were they were back before I even knew what law was. That was back in the days when the channel and technically the URL is still this. When I was doing videos, yeah, Reach Forge Network. <laughs> when I was still doing videos on Forge in Halo Reach, hence the name. And <laughs> it's yeah, so vast. it's still it's crazy. That it's still a thing. Um, but yeah, there was also a bunch of other stuff that happened. I, ca- I covered Division, although that was not lore-wise. That was when I was more of a generalistic YouTuber. I did a bunch of lore stuff when it came to Dishonored. Are we allowed I did a little coverage of Doom. Are we not going oh, there? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oh, Mass Effect. Mass Effect. Effect. I'm sorry. There's so much good in Mass Effect. <laughs> <laughs> I broke five. I'm sorry. We're oh, dropping Andromeda. Okay. I, I, yeah. I, I just, I, I, yeah, Andromeda makes me cry a little bit. <laughs> I don't think Mass it deserves to be the as... original trilogy and the comic, nothing else. Nothing. Is this like with Star Wars? <laughs> I, we don't yeah. talk about a couple of those episodes. We're just like, no, just no. Right. 
It's just like, you know, I, I will simply say this, man. I don't think Andromeda deserved to be memed as hard as it did, and I will no. leave it at that. Like, whatever. Either way, but, moving but moving on. on. Moving on. I, I can expect that in the future you'll be also including in your catalog uh, Anthem as well. Because Anthem is turning yes. in, and this is from stuff that they've shown, is going to have its own lore and backstory as well. I mean, they've already shown a little bit, oh, so yeah. really excited to see mm-hmm. more of that come out. Yes, I am very interested for Anthem. Mm. Not that I can say anything that may or may not be coming <laughs> in the next few weeks, but I would probe people to keep an eye on my channel within the next few days, potentially. You may or may not be seeing something very soon. Um, that's not to confirm or deny, who knows, right? Like, I can definitely say that there will be Destiny content over there in the next few days, but as for everything else, I mean, we will see. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> By the way, if you guys go EA sub guys... to him, there's gonna be stuff there, okay? End of story. <laughs> By the way, if one of the EA guys is watching this podcast right now, hi. Uh, if I'm breaking NDAs, I'm so sorry. I don't believe I am. Oh, I'm uh, sure that apology yeah. will make sure you get us back. I'm sure. <laughs> it's Please. fine. I love... I, I, I would love to remain friends. <laughs> like, no. I can't even say an impression about what I may or may not have played, but yeah, I would love to remain <laughs> friends. This is like talking to a politician right now, you guys. Like... I mean, my degree was in politics, so, you know, that was a bad decision I made. No, see, it helps you with this whole NDA thing. That's If nothing else, that's your takeaway. I can speak around things and not actually say things. You're speaking politilese. Yeah, right? (laughs) It's like legalese, except there's a little bit more BS involved, you know? (laughs) This next segment brought to you by the Labour Party. No. Um... <laughs> um, but also, I won't get into politics. <laughs> I, I promise that much. I'm staying far away from that stuff. Also, in uh, gaming news, if you're on PlayStation, you have PS Plus. Uh, Steep is free on PS Plus, and you should all go download it, even if it's just for kicks. Um, I do, we, we might do like a little community game night from it. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's stupid fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw it when it when it came out. I saw Steep when it was first released, and, and it looked interesting. It was not uh, necessarily my cup of tea. Yeah, I played the hell out of uh, 1080 snowboarding <laughs> back in the day, so I was like, oh, it's kind of reminiscent of that. Right, but be- 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 back in your 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 boarding gang days. <laughs> yeah, no, it um it, it definitely looks. It's like one of those games that you uh, almost to like. You know, with, with games like, you know, Destiny, Division, a bunch of other games, there's so much, like, focus involved, and um, you're almost, uh, like, zeroing in on objectives and what you need to be doing to get to the next thing done. But Steep is more, it's, it's, it's so casual. Um, it's very, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a pretty game, too, like, the way they, they put the, the, the slopes and the graphics look great, but it's definitely a good, uh, like, a, a a good game for escaping and escapism. So, uh, but yeah, and totally go. And, and even if you don't want to download it, just add it to your library. It's free. You keep it forever. And speaking of the free games, I know we talked a few weeks ago about the game called Celeste mm-hmm. because it was the one that won that indie game for mm-hmm. Game Awards. Right. That's one of the free games on Xbox this month. Oh, that's awesome! Oh, wow! Yes. Yeah. The second I saw that, I was like, mm. yes. <laughs> 
There we go. Yeah, Celeste has been on my list of games to play, and uh, my, I don't have an Xbox, but wow, congratulations to the, the Xbox guys. <laughs> Fantastic. They're putting out a lot of good games uh, recently on the, the Games with Gold. Yeah, I know. They, um, they they definitely did a good job with that, because I feel like it was like a couple years ago <coughs> where they just, like, as far as, there was a big thing in, like, the gaming communities where, you know, PlayStation definitely, uh, you know, had the... The, the leaderboard as far as, you know, the exclusives and whatnot. So it's good to see that, you know, there's fantastic games and stories, um, you know, easily available on the Xbox side of things. Um, but yeah. Um, but why don't we move on to our character analysis? Um, Dr. Goku and with the assistant Bife, of course. Who are we talking about this week, Dr. Goku? So, so this week we're talking about the Drifter. So a character that is new to the Destiny franchise, but is so interesting. And so I've, I've been kind of passively looking at some of the lore over the since Forsaken came out. And when I knew we were going to talk about Drifters, I, I got really right hard into his lore. And oh my god, does he have an interesting story. And by if you're pointing out really good videos on them. I, I watched your your two videos on Drifter and Gambit today, and they were amazing. More still to come, by the way, on that Oh, front. I can't wait. Very excited for it all. And I cannot agree more wholeheartedly, much as everybody loves the dream, uh, the Drifter for his meme side. Yes. Oh my goodness, there is so much deep lore to dive into. Mm. And better than just that, like, uh, this is kind of pulling us to a tangent slightly, but it revives a really fantastic legend in Destiny in the form of the Last Word and Thorn and Shin Malfa and Dreadgan Yor, Jaron Ward, Razor Azir, the uh, can guardians fight guardians, light versus light kind of stuff. And oh my goodness, I, yeah, I don't know about, I don't know how John Goth, who um, wrote the story, feels about all this right now, but I would hope that he's ecstatic because it's energized so much. Um, hype and interest around the Lost Word and Thorn and so much of his fantastic writing. So, yeah. Really, really great stuff has been done. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do with uh, Joker's Wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot that could happen. So much. So, going on with the Drifter. A rogue light bearer, errant gunslinger, and broker of all things Gambit. The Drifter has explored our solar system, adding to his collection aboard his ship, the Derelict. This ship tows a piece of something that no one has ever seen before. The information gained on the Drifter comes from reports from the enigmatic and legendary gunslinger, Shen Malfur. But we're going to touch on that a little bit later. So during the dawn of the City Age... The Drifter and his crew set off to find something greater than light in the Sol system. Wanting to find a power to repel light, light could be found in the Rivered Thorn, the weapon once wielded by Dredgenior. They stumbled on a small, cold, and desolate planet, which in all appearance seemed to repress light. The cold on this planet would make the Drifter and his crew freeze to death, forcing their ghosts to resurrect them constantly so they could continue on their expedition. The crew would later stumble on a strange 
amorphous shadow-like creature oddly similar to the ones described by Cade Six in his Treasure Island book that came with the Taking King Collector's Edition. The alien creature encountered by the Drifter and his crew were not all roaming the planet. Some were imprisoned in monolith-like structures in a form of cryogenic suspension. These creatures emitted the light-suppressing field which could be detected by the crew from orbit. It meant that guardians who died in close proximity to them would be unable to be revived by their ghosts and would die their final death. The drifter saw the creature's power as a way to change the conflict between light bearers. After a year trapped on the planet, a ship in disrepair due to the cold, only four members of the crew remained. At this point, they all had died thousands of times, but they were still no closer to finding a solution to their problem. Their paranoia now turning into insanity, which was not helped when they lost their light following Dominus Gaul's attack on the city. In their confusion and paranoia, everyone drew their gun. And following up on his previous promise, the drifter killed the remaining members of his crew. While he was, um, well, we do not know how, but he eventually escaped the planet, now piloting a new ship called the Derelict, which pulls a part of the planet with it. He also acquires a small taken army, which resides in a pocket of Ascendant Realm, which he controls using Motes of Dark. He created the competition of Gambit, pitting Guardians against the Darkness, but also making them become the Darkness to fight each other. We can see this in a couple of his uh, his quotes saying, Embrace the Darkness, when an, a uh, Guardian invades the other team. This is what the Taken feel. Revel in this. And he hopes to lure Guardians to his way of seeing the light and darkness. He had an association, uh, but also a falling out with the Shadows of Yore, a group of dark guardians who idolize the revered and infamous Dredgen Yore. The falling out happened between the Drifter and Callum Saul. After this, the Drifter encountered Shin Malfur, owner of the Last Word, telling Malfur of all the places he had visited. The Luvial Crux, the Shift Chasm below Ilius, the fourth tomb of Nazareth, as seen uh, and seen the idols of Lower Saul, the treasure of Exodus Prime, and the solar engine of Dead Star Six. What Shin Malfur was really after, however, was information on the shadows of Yor and particularly Callum Saul, as it is Shin's obsession to get rid of any remnants of Dredgen Yor from the world. This is a story for another time, uh, if we ever talk about Dredgen Yor and uh, Dwindler's Ridge, um, that's a whole nother tangent. So above all other things, the most crucial thing to remember, as stated by all, all the uh, those that have encountered him, is that the Drifter cannot be trusted. He has lied to his crew, 
and his allies before and even found himself at the end of the last word because he neglected to tell Shin about the existence of the primeval in Gambit. We have many questions about him uh, beyond merely this uh, thought from what his true motivations are to why he established Gambit to why uh, where his true allegiance lie. There is no clear answer where it comes to this renegade light bearer. Drifter is a very interesting character. And when we talk about his personality in a, a psychological sense, it's a very interesting one. We don't really know what happens when a guardian gets revived, how much of their old selves get ported over to this new life. But we know that certain manifestations, we know that the uh, general biology of the person doesn't really change other than the light. One thing we see with the drifter are evidence of psychopathy. So a lot of people mistake the difference of what is a sociopath, a psychopath, and someone that is psychotic. Previously, people kind of intertwined those three terms. Someone that is a, a, uh, is psychotic is someone that has a break from reality. Someone that is a sociopath and a psychopath, they fall under what's called antisocial personality disorder. While psychopaths don't really have a classification, they are a little bit something else. So all psychopaths are sociopath, but not all sociopaths are psychopaths. So a psychopath has a different brain structure than most people. They have a um, lack of response when it comes to the prefrontal cortex and with the amygdala. And we can see this with fMRIs, so using uh, brain scans. When someone with a, a psychopathy are presented with visual stimuli that would make certain people react, they do not. And also different parts of their brain reacts. So if someone, they say, uh, they uh, put a picture of someone slamming their finger in a car door, a psychopath may not really react the same way as someone else would, but their brain would uh, respond in a more in the pleasure centers of the brain. So they view the world very differently. A psychopath also have uh, no conscious conscience. They have no empathy. They have difficulty feeling remorse or guilt. Uh, we can see this with the drifter of kind of killing the rest of his crew and not really caring about it having his own plan. So when we talk about the sociopath, we're talking about someone that is generally criminalized, so a hardened criminal. They have a different moral compass, but they can still kind of feel empathy and they still have a reason why they're doing it. Someone that is a psychopath most likely won't. They 
react um, because they have a plan. They are very manipulative. They're very calculating. They're very charming. They have charisma. Um, like I said, they're very manipulative and calculating. They're good at maintaining emotional and physical control uh, so they uh, to organize their behaviors. Sociopath can form relationships while psychopath have a hard time forming relationships. With everything that we see with the drifter, we still don't know exactly what his ultimate plan is. But we can really see that he has a complete really disregard for anyone and everyone's uh, feelings or if he hurts anyone. He just wants to get to his ultimate goal. And hopefully that's going to be be um, kind of evolved over Joker's Wild. So I don't know if you want to take over on Drifter a little bit, Bife. I was going to say, I was really looking forward to when you did the analysis of this, because I'm very hesitant to label anyone immediately as a sociopath. But it was one of the things that came up to me when I looked at a lot of the actions that the Drifter came along with. And I said, this kind of aligns with those ideas, right? You know, mm-hmm. this person literally has no regard for the people around them that are their crew. They quite happily lie to people. So it's mm-hmm. very much a thing of, as Shin says, the Drifter just kept on smiling that winner's smile. And, you know, even at the point at which he's at gunpoint um, and Shin is saying, why didn't you say anything about the primevals, which is a very important card um, for any of the Drifter's lore. You know, he just says, he tells Shin literally just to take a load off. Like, he's not even taking much of it seriously. There is very, very little that seems to phase the Drifter, regardless of what's going on, you know? I think his only... And that's coming from his psychopathy. Yeah. Like, I mean, realistically, it's one of these things that makes us even more desperate, I suppose, to find out what's really going on inside his head and what he wants at the end of the day. Because it's very clear that Gambit can't be here for all of the good intentions the Drifter initially proposes. Like, yeah, sure. Okay, maybe we're learning to use the darkness as much as the light. Maybe we're learning to use that to fight back. That's the initial proposition that the Drifter basically put to us. But even as he said that, Shin Malfo was basically like, look, guys, there's almost no way that he's telling us the truth, but if it benefits us, maybe we should take the risk. And I know that sounds scary, still Shin saying this, by the way, but by that same token, things have changed, and I feel like we need to use the darkness as much as the light. This is a risk that we need to take. I mean, Shin even goes to the point of saying, if anyone steps too far, I will find a way to make words with them, which is more often than not... The kind of gunslinger's way of saying, I will put them in the ground. So, yeah, it, it it's really one of those moments where you look back at everything the Drifter is doing and you say, can we really trust him? You know, even on the side of like him being very charismatic, it fits once again into those tendencies that often align with sociopathy, right? Like how many people have cheerily looked on and memed a little bit as he goes all right all right all right and just flips the coin over and over again you know like how many times have you seen that yeah he's a charismatic figure and it fits perfectly into that kind of bound which if that is entirely the intention of the writing is excellently done again i'm always very sort of like hesitant to 
say anything on that front, but if that is entirely the case, that's fantastically done. I don't know if it's just, so like, good. my um, experiences with people like that, but, like, day one when the Drifter got introduced, I turned to Joey while we were playing together and went, I don't like this dude. And he immediately thought it was super bizarre that I don't like him. He's like, he's really nice. Or he's like, he's really charismatic. Like, yeah, he's a little, like, harsh and stuff. And I was like, no, dude. Uh-uh. <laughs> I don't like him. Like, giant red flag about him right away. Mm-hmm. Right? But Something about this just sends shivers mm-hmm. up your spine sometimes. <laughs> it's just like, mm-mm-mm, this guy's trouble. Nuh-uh. Well, an example of that, um, look at Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. Everyone see that movie? Actually, no. I need to at some point. With uh, Christian oh, Bale. Yeah, it's because it's called that. American Psycho, not British Psycho. Otherwise, by foot of That business cards. I mean, yes. Gets me. I always go back to that scene. I don't know why. Next week on, on the, on the is... Bife Bell Banter podcast. <laughs> and the reason why I say... A Welcome lot of to Bife Bell Banter. The, the term <laughs> psycho- psychopathy and mm-hmm. psycho... Is it, mm-hmm. a lot of people kind of intertwined it. So, psychopath and psycho are completely two different things. Mm-hmm. At the end of the movie, um, the the main character kind of had a break, but you can see throughout the movie, uh, Patrick Bateman, like I said, played by Christian Bale, is a psychopath through and through. Just the way he portrays himself, how charismatic he is. He's this big businessman working on Wall Street. And people don't understand that someone that suffers from psychopathy is not necessarily a serial killer. A lot of serial killers are, and most of them are psychopaths. But there are functional psychopaths. Mainly a lot of them on the Wall Street heads of big corporations just the general manifestations of the uh of psychopathy the way they will kind of step on people to get ahead to make deals even though that it's a detriment to other people they don't care it advances their worldview the way they want to achieve things and the drifter kind of falls underneath that category He's not the one really killing people. He's just making people do his bidding for his grander plan. Mm-hmm. Which we don't really know what it is. Uh, one thing that you mentioned on your last video, Bife, is the motes of dark that we are collecting uh, for Gambit that are tetrahedrons, that are the same uh, shapes as those ships that we saw at the end of D2. And... Again, going back to the Treasure Island Book of Cade of how he uh, talked about those shadow figures. So everything's kind of intertwining. Mm-hmm. To put it very simply, there's a very good reason why if you look up in your lore triumph section, he falls firmly under the darkness section as opposed to dusk and dawn. You know, mm-hmm. there is nothing about balance in his personality. He is very clearly swayed to the other. You know, be he a light bearer or not, this one has used other powers. The fact that he summons forth primevals, literally soldiers of the darkness to fight for him at a certain point, is really telling. So, yeah, uh, don't, don't trust him too much, you know? Like, if he asks you to run in a crew, always have your hand on your gun, just in case. 
Because you never know. Little things. The Lord just makes them sound so I don't creepy. know if you have anything to, to add to uh, to the Drifter. Oh, um, I mean, at current as well, I think it's worth talking about the potential influence that... Um, are we going to... Actually, this is a worthy thing. Are we talking about purely in the lore or are we talking from some kind of psychoanalytical perspective? Yes. Either or. <laughs> okay, so when it comes to stuff in the lore, I think the other thing we really need to take a look at is the influence of the shadows of yore, potentially. <laughs> because whilst the Drifter was supposedly drawn to the other from the very beginning as he tells Shin Malfa, and whilst the Drifter certainly is an enigmatic figure and clearly has been a bit of a loner um, for quite some time, it's also not completely clear how long he ran with the Shadows of Yore, right? So if it was an extended period of time, then he's clearly had influence on and has been influenced by that group, which means that if there were other figures in there, such as just to pull a few names out of the hat, be they repeats or not, Dreadgen Vale, Dreadgen Bane, Callum, any of the individuals who kind of led that group, maybe the Drifter was one of those people, you know, that might well have had a big impact on the way that his character is, you know? For all we know, the Drifter might have been lonely, and whilst he didn't appreciate the light, he might have at first maybe not have been as aligned with the sort of careless nature of something. He might have slipped into this. And that's really strange to say, but it's something that I only dare to say because of the fact that we don't know his past yet, so it's a possibility. And again, I stress it's nothing more than a possibility, but also because it's him running with the shadows. And were it any other group, I would take a moment and pause and say, okay, well, we don't really know, but it's the shadows of yore. They are, by their very nature, a dark group of individuals. I mean, you know... It's not just a group of people that think they look really tough in dark colors. These are individuals that have gone as far enough as to forge their own thorns, their own weapons of sorrow. Callum, when he's tracked down by Shin Malfa, has literally just stabbed his ghost through the eye with a knife that he made out of a thorn projectile. You know? Like, Shin arrives just as the thing is screaming and stuttering out. And he then ends Callum right then and there. You know? And even at that moment at which it's his final end, Callum's last words are basically words to the effect of, you can't stop all of us. And it just... <sighs> yeah. This is a radical group of people. And their sentiment to discover Dredgen Yor and his past and the true meaning behind his corruption, or perhaps as they might see it, his enlightenment, is a driving force that will make them disregard almost everything else. So... Yeah, I, I would not immediately forget the influence that they may have had on him or that he may have had on them. So yeah, it's worth thinking about. And if the names Dredgen Vale or Dredgen Bane do get mentioned at some point, pay attention because we still don't know what their actual names are. For all we know, the Drifter at one point, as he ran with the Shadows, was a prominent Dredgen. We may find out that he wasn't. But the point is, it's still an option that's on the table. And considering all the different stuff that keeps on presenting itself, we can't rule that out. So remember the shadows. The shadows matter. They are important. And I think this is going to start to get unfolded. I think, was it next week that we're getting the last word quest? I don't think it's next week. Hang on, I'm going to go ahead and just double check that timeline on Bungie. But I feel like it's late January that we get it. 
to be completely honest with you. Again, I will take a look and see. Because when it comes to all of that wonderful stuff, the timeline that, yeah, January 29th is when the okay. exotic quest of the draw drops. So we'll see what happens with that. We'll see what goes on. But realistically, I think it will be sometime. We will have to wait. And that'll lead into the season of the Drifter. Uh, yes, it closely will, because the season of the Armory closes, or sorry, season of the Forge, rather, closes in sort of late February, and season of um, the Drifter starts in sort of March, May. So yeah, you're looking at that kind of timeline. Give it another couple of months, and who knows, we may see other things going on. Side note, by the way, I would be amazed if we don't see Thorn come back for season of the Drifter. You know, that in itself is a scary hint, because Thorn is a weapon that is synonymous with corruption. Thorn <laughs> is a weapon that represents evil in itself, you know? There's nothing about that gun that says anything good. Um, right? Bife. As far as Destiny 2 is concerned, like, is there any one, uh, like, uh, one gun from, um, one weapon from Destiny 1 that hasn't brought forward to Destiny 2 that you would like to see there? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the obvious contender is going to be something like Yalahorn or the Vex Mythoclast, right? Yalahorn for its... Kind of very clear throwbacks and callouts in the days when rocket launchers were great, and also because it calls into the lore of the Twilight Gap, which I think is particularly relevant now that we've got Anna Bray back in the game. I mean, you know, this is literally one of the legendary battles that she was involved in. It was the one where she disappeared, aside from anything else. Um, furthermore than that, I, you know, if you take anything to do with the Vex, it's going to immediately soak up people's attention. But yeah, no, 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 hold on. The real reason you want Vex back is because you worked your butt off so long to finally get it, and then they took it away. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is my one contribution to this I segment, I okay? I, I, I just want my Mythoclast back, okay? <laughs> I just want... I, just I want, love the I Mythoclast. miss my Mythoclast. I miss, I miss my Mythoclast. That was my favorite. A little unfortunate in that sense, because if there was ever a time to bring it back, it was probably Forsaken. But, you know, there's other there guns go. nowadays. Awesome. Um, does anybody have anything else on the Drifter? Uh, say again, D- sir. You does anyone it. else have anything else on the Drifter? Mm-hmm. No. I'm sure we're going to add sure more to will. the Drifter there's, as there's, his story kind of evolves. It, it, it's definitely mm-hmm. a story to definitely uh, keep an eye on for all the Destiny gamers out there. Um, Basically, he's sketchy AF, and and be careful. AF, totally AF. <laughs> all right, we'll have all to right, have right. back on to uh, talk more about the Drifter when uh, more Let's Lord drops. No, not smooth that one. <laughs> yep, that was the opposite. God damn, I tried so Confirmed hard. Confirmed, Bife is not the Drifter. <laughs> okay, I need. Like I you know what I need? need? I need a green coin for that. <laughs> yes, That's we'll work on that for you. Channel your inner Matthew McConaughey. The next time we have you on to talk about the Drifter, we expect better coins. Is, is Brian Monkus in the in, mm-hmm. in the chat? We need you to make a coin for Bife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, awesome. Well, um, Goku Bife, thank you so much. And um, that's going to kind of wrap us up this week. Um, 
We did want to um, say congrats to the people, the guys over at Barely a Destiny Show podcast over at Baz. They hit a uh, hundred episodes. Congrats, guys! Ooh. And mm. and also our buddy um, Critical Ape still has his Critical Awareness stream coming up on January nineteenth. It's going to be a twenty-four hour stream for um, the uh, suicide prevention and suicide awareness. So definitely go and check that out. Um, but, uh, Bife, where can people find you on the space interwebs? Okay. Um, so, realistically, most of my content I do over in two places, which is YouTube and Twitter. YouTube is where you can get my content. Twitter is where you can get my non-content. Um, also known as memes. <laughs> copious, copious amounts of memes. Um... Yeah, if you want to go ahead and look for any lore stuff, I'm doing Destiny and I'm taking forays into both Anthem and back into Warframe. I know it's been a very long break. Um, the idea is consistently to just go ahead and take a topic nowadays from Destiny and just sort of ring it until I've covered all the points that I think are important and then we find something else to talk about. And at current, it just so happens that that is the Drifter and Gambit and everything related. So over the next few kind of weeks, aside from the stuff that comes up that is immediately relevant, such as the Queen's Court visit next week, you know, for the most part, I'm going to be covering the Drifter and a bunch of his stuff. So yeah, you know, look for more of those kind of um, formattings to the topics and whatnot. I'm really excited because after we do that, um, I'm basically going to do the Queen of the Reef. And then I'm going to do Riven. And so, yeah, that's that's a very long kind of schedule of things, because when the Drifter stuff is done, which is going to be like Lost Word and Thorn and Malfessence and the rest of every little tidbit of lore and Dredgen and all of that other stuff, when that's all said and done... Yeah, not, you know, not to mention all of the story between the two weapons and their various wielders. But then, you know... I, Mara in herself is a huge topic. Right? And you know like what Bife's gonna through... do during all that? He's gonna take breaks to take care of himself. You're goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to go full circle, you guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. Damn straight. Or us. <laughs> no, Bell's just gonna shit talk you anyway. You'll be fine. Well, no, that happens all the time, yeah. no matter what. I mean, you know, it's just it's good realistically. It's At just least it only happens on days that end in Y. Awesome. Well, bye. Well, well by, again, th- thank you so much for coming. We've been really excited about it. Um, and w- we hope that you want to come back someday. Absolutely. And thank you so much for the invitation. And thank you for doing the podcast. Oh, it's, it's our pleasure. It's fantastic to see a resource well, around for Guardians that just generally is informative and actually has some s- substance behind it in the area of mental health and awareness of these right. issues and, so and, and thank you for doing and that's something we had do. talked about before and like the podcast is solely as another vehicle for awareness uh mm-hmm. and we try to make it fun with having awesome people like yourself on um but yes uh but that is gonna wrap us up this week um as you'll notice we kind of have a new um a new look to everything um and, and we we really did that we created it as um, we got some awesome artwork from Rotting Jackal. Uh, he, uh, we kind of rebranded it as Project Guardians, but the podcast is still going to be a Saint-14 Project podcast. 
Um, it really just made project, the, the brand, like for the stream and the Twitch channel, Project Guardians, really to, um, just emphasize that it's not just for Destiny, um, the, yeah, Destiny community, it's for the, it's inclusive to the whole gaming community. Um, but you can reach us just about everywhere. Uh, just search Project Guardians on Twitter. I think it's P-R-O-J Guardians. Um, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Twitter, all those places, just search for us there. Um, the podcast, everywhere you can listen to podcasts, such as Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, um, you can still search for us as the Saint 14 Project Podcast. Um, we have an awesome website, Saint, uh, projectguardians.org. Um, but if you go to saint14project.com, I think it will shoot you there too. Yep. Um, isn't that right, Joe? It is correct. And you can uh, send us an email, uh, projectguardiansorg at gmail.com. We have an awesome Discord that's open, informative, uh, resources, awesome people there. We have mental health professionals there, um, which is just pinned on our Twitter. Uh, Bell, where can people find you on the internet? All the places. All the places. All the time. Bell <laughs> Bunny <much>. everywhere. <laughs> Uh, Everywhere. Joe. No, literally just just look up Bell Bunny and it's I'm there. Hells yes. Joe, where where can people see your sweet, sweet beard action? <laughs> you can see my uh sweet beard action on uh Twitter, uh average Joe two two seven on Twitter, and uh you can find me in a hundred different Discords and uh get a hold of me on the website. Onlybeards.com. No um Doctor Goku, where, where where can we get you? Uh, people can find me pretty much everywhere. Uh, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, our Discord, all at SSJ5Goku28. Fantastic. Um, you notice our, um, our brother Dave was not here, um, but you can find him everywhere. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere as HatchyDave. Um, uh, MySpace. Sure, I'm sure he's on there as HatchyDave. Only farmers, probably. That, yep, that's... Uh, yeah. Wait, no, 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 you did not say MySpace but, was new. Please tell me you were referring to no, someone we else. No, we just give him crap because the, our first episode, he goes, oh, oh, you can find me on MySpace. So we mention all the time. Um, <laughs> where else can you find As you find should. <laughs> BedroomDJLivestreaming.com. Hatchy Day. I'm just kidding. That's not a thing. Um, but you can find me uh, just about everywhere as Sentinel Dad. Extra D on the end on Twitter. Um, Again, bye. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for um, Thanks, man. Thank uh, you, everyone. tuning in live. And th- thank, thank you all for you. listening. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Uh, you are not alone. Um, thank you. Cheers. Bye. Ad Astra. Bye.